It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather. And he who controls the weather will control the world. Question. Has the human race radically overplayed our hand? Overshoot. Here's a dictionary definition of that term. To go past a point unintentionally, especially through traveling too fast or being unable to stop. Yes, that's the tale of the human race, the Anthropocene Epoch, i.e. the Age of Man. How will the story end? How many are willing to honestly face the wider horizon? Will mushroom clouds from nuclear detonations be a part of that horizon? We'll soon enough find out. Climate intervention operations continue to wreak havoc on Earth's life support systems and food supplies. Many breaking reports on that subject in a moment with a focus on chemical ice nucleation cloud seeding operations, i.e. engineered winter weather mayhem. Stay tuned. About the tragic scenario in Ukraine, again, I ask this. In how many ways does this scenario benefit those in power in the East and in the West? And there's this point to ponder about the same subject. Does anyone wonder why most of the military hardware we see in the corporate news coverage of the conflict is vintage 50 years old, and much of the weapons that Western powers are gifting Ukraine are also very dated? Does this really seem like an all-out conflict, or is there more to the story? You decide. On other fronts, global powers are most certainly colluding and cooperating on core issues. Climate engineering and CB19 are primary examples. It can't be otherwise. Why do we think their cooperation stops there? All governments know that they can no longer support their populations given the planet's rapidly dwindling life support systems. This question then must be pondered. What actions should we expect them to take? Think about it. So back to this question, alluded to a moment ago. Are global powers desperate enough to orchestrate a limited nuclear exchange in a final attempt to temporarily cool the planet by trying to create a nuclear winter scenario? Why would we think otherwise? Anyway, again, we'll soon enough find out. And about other near-term existential threats. Does the sun feel increasingly intense on your skin and on exposed surfaces? It's not your imagination. Earth's life-preserving ozone layer is being decimated. And though there's countless contributing factors, covert climate intervention operations are the single greatest ozone layer-destroying component. Without a functional ozone layer, terrestrial life on Earth will perish in short order. No food production. Global plankton populations will die off. The fish with them. And flora and fauna will follow, along with the whole of the human race. How close might a functional collapse of the ozone layer be? Based on the current rate of surface UV radiation escalation, a functional collapse of Earth's ozone layer may be less than two years away. The sun feels increasingly intense on your skin and on surfaces because it is. And now consider this. Are the controllers desperate enough to believe that doing more of what they've been doing, i.e. climate engineering, a.k.a. weather warfare, that that will somehow mitigate the damage that has already been done from what they were doing in the first place, 
i.e., further ramp up climate engineering operations to mitigate the damage climate engineering operations have already done in the first place. Is that not the true definition of insanity? Consider this excerpt from a science study on ozone layer deterioration. Again, the majority of damage being caused by climate engineering operations. Here's the excerpt. Quote, the increased UV that penetrates the troposphere, that's the lowest level of the atmosphere, might increase the hydroxyl radical, increasing the oxidizing capacity of the troposphere and thereby shortening lifetimes of gases such as CH4, that's methane, and HCFCs. That's what the destruction of the ozone layer has been blamed on. Hence, feedback of the UV and circulation would affect the evolution of both climate and ozone-depleting gases. Translation of this conclusion from the science study. Destroying the ozone layer to fix the ozone layer. Just wow on that. You can't make this stuff up. Another brilliant techno-fix solution from the so-called climate science community. How bad is the UV radiation becoming? Cows were seen in Northern California, I can say this firsthand, hiding in the shadows of what trees are left, even during the winter months. That should be a massive red flag for anybody who's paying attention. For the latest update on the severity of UV radiation now reaching Earth's surface, which includes UVC, and we've now detected some trace X-ray readings. That's indicative of an ozone layer that's about to functionally collapse. Check the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org for this new report, titled Imminent Ozone Layer Collapse, a Dire Warning, from a former NASA contract engineer who works directly with GeoengineeringWatch.org with metering equipment, state-of-the-art metering equipment that we supplied him. Moving on, there's this from last week. The plan to release genetically engineered mosquitoes in California and Florida. Billions of them. But now let's add this. Patent number US8967029B1. What's the title of that patent? Toxic Mosquito Aerial Release System. That's interesting, isn't it? Or should I say incredibly alarming? Stay tuned for a shocking summary excerpt from the Toxic Mosquito Release Patent System. You're listening to the commercial-free, non-political, global alert news hour. The bad news broadcast brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org, the largest and most visited website in the world on the subject of covert climate engineering operations happening all over the world. This is Dane Wigington, your host. In this hour, we'll address the most critical issues we collectively face, issues on which our futures most directly and immediately depend. How much time do we have left? That will depend on what actions we collectively take or don't take. Moving on from Yahoo News, weather whiplash. Dr. Warren's swing in temperatures could affect your allergies. Here's a question for the so-called health professionals that blame the epidemic of respiratory distress on temperature swings while completely ignoring the mountain of toxic particulates being spewed into the atmosphere from climate intervention operations. Why aren't those considered and why are they blatantly ignored? That question's not hard to answer because the paychecks and pensions of the so-called health professionals depend on them ignoring that subject. We know individuals that, for example, asked for their blood to be tested for aluminum, a primary element in climate engineering operations that we're all inhaling with every breath we take. Our lab tests prove it. It's in the breathable air column. It can't not be in our lungs. And a screen they testified to us 
appeared on the Kaiser Permanente doctor's office room that was an alert that they are not to test for aluminum in blood. How about that? Try to get your healthcare professional to test for that. And if you test for aluminum in your blood, it's imperative to do very strict chelation protocols with that. That must be done very carefully. So keep in mind, there's much to tracking this element down, and those in power relish in that fact because the population then unknowingly absorbs these materials until a host of downstream neurological effects take root, like epidemics of Alzheimer's, dementia, ALS, countless other neurological diseases, all which can be traced and tracked to aluminum exposure that we are inhaling. They try to get the Alzheimer's Foundation to admit to that one. They won't. As I've stated in previous broadcasts, they tried to arrest me for attempting to distribute peer-reviewed science study on the connection between aluminum and Alzheimer's at an Alzheimer's event. They refused a $500 donation I offered them for a booth for geoengineeringwatch.org materials. They threatened to arrest me when I showed up at the event. They declined when I invited them to do so. That would bring even more attention to the issue. And we have members of the aluminum industry sitting on the Alzheimer's Foundation boards. The fox is running the hen houses. And that's the way our entire system is constructed, and that's why we're in such a dark corner at this moment. About the weather whiplash, many more ramifications, food supplies, infrastructure, ecosystems. The flash freeze cooldowns are not nature. Those are engineered events. Much more on that subject in a moment, but let's go through a few other headlines first. Another outbreak of severe weather blitzing central U.S., Very theatrical headlines constantly used now in the so-called weather forecasting industry, which are nothing but script readers. From that report, a monstrous April snowstorm triggered a blizzard in the northern U.S. and dumped more than 40 inches of snow in some places. Further to the south, the report states, damaging tornadoes remain a serious threat into Wednesday night of last week. Again, this is the warm side of the winter storm, so-called winter storm, in this case named Silas and the cold side of the so-called winter storm, with moisture that's being orchestrated and pushed directly out of the record warm Gulf of Mexico via manipulated atmospheric pressure zones. More on that shortly as well. But I want to take a moment to cover several important and revealing activist comments posted at geoengineeringwatch.org last week. First this, from Roger, who stated, quote, I can't believe I'm typing this again. Yesterday in central Kansas, we reached the upper 80s and lower 90s with 55 to 65 mile per hour wind gusts all day long. Now, as I just woke up, it's snowing. This is not normal, exclamation point. This is at the fourth time this year that there has been weather whiplash of 50 to 60 degree temperature swings in less than 36 hours. And every time, invariably, there is a light coating to a couple of inches of snow within a day or so, exclamation point again. Next activist comment, and our platform didn't record the name of the following commenter, but here's the comment. Again, from a geoengineeringwatch.org comment thread last week. Dane, thank you for your ongoing efforts. I attempt to reach as many people as I can, i.e. about the geoengineering issue. He continues, or she continues, as you noted about the trees, large trees of mangroves that would normally grow back after a hurricane are not growing back for several years now. The false winter events, just alluded to that a moment ago, In South Florida this year has wiped out hundreds of acres of tomatoes and other vegetables. Not an accident. The late cool down wiped out my mango blooms and my lychee nut tree and it did not even bloom. 
and the weather warfare continues on mankind. That's exactly what it is. There can be no legitimate discussion about the climate or the state of the climate without first and foremost addressing the climate engineering assault and what kind of insane society do we live in when the so-called experts pretend what's going on in our skies is not going on in our skies, that it's just some sort of proposal that will look exactly like what we see with the results that we see happening on the ground, but it's not really going on. We're not really seeing what we're seeing, they tell us. It's just a conspiracy theory, they tell us. One more key related comment from last week, again from geoengineeringwatch.org post thread. This is from Arthur R., who stated the aerosol spraying over Moses Lake, Washington was the worst I've ever seen last week. I've been out here for two years now and never, ever was it this crazy. Arthur continues with this. There's a bunch of commercial airplanes on the far ends of the tarmac of a local airport and more in nearby fields. They have many different airline logos from all over the world. The airport is supposedly closed, but there's a constant traffic coming in and out of this airport. I'm thinking they're using this airport as a staging point to aerosolize the skies all over the Northwest USA. Observation from someone in the field. We know that the U.S. DOD is leasing hundreds of commercially marked aircraft from the commercial airline industry. Why? Why do they need these aircraft? That blank's not hard to fill in. About the engineered drought disaster zones in the U.S. West, the climate engineering cabal continues to cut off the flow of moisture from most of the state, though in recent days, some rain was allowed. The satellite radar loops clearly reveal the usual interference with precipitation from the Pacific Ocean that crosses the western states. Radio frequency microwave transmissions are used in various installation locations to scatter and disperse rain that would otherwise have fallen in parts of the parched west. Constant aerosol spraying operations over the cloud moisture further scatters the rain and keeps much of the moisture migrating to the east. And all along the way, chemical ice nucleation cloud seeding operations cool the air mass down. Eventually, further east, this heavily seeded flow of moisture is combined with northward atmospheric moisture flows that originated from the record warm Gulf of Mexico. Radio frequency microwave transmission manipulation of atmospheric pressure zones, both high and low pressure scenarios, are used to steer the winds and thus the weather. Another engineered winter storm is the result. In this case, as I stated earlier, the theatrically named winter storm Silas, just in time to decimate agriculture and livestock operations at critical points in their production. What a surprise. More key reports on the engineered winter weather mayhem in a moment. But this footnote, please take the time to review the reports in the engineering winter section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. It is essential to raise awareness of this core aspect of climate engineering that unfortunately only geoengineeringwatch.org is desperately trying to disclose. Moving on, a new science study from nature.com. Anthropogenic, i.e. human-caused, climate change has slowed global agricultural productivity growth. No mention of climate intervention operations in that headline or the report that goes with it. No surprise. Why would they? It's essential to understand that governments around the globe will do everything they can to mask the reality of covert global climate intervention operations from the population until the last possible moment because they know if populations around the globe were to wake up to what's going on in our skies and the ramifications to them, their health, 
the food production of the planet on which their lives and their children's lives completely depend, there would be a blowback that governments can't sustain. The liability issues are incalculable. If populations were awakened to the fact that they've been subjected to this grand and lethal experiment from which there is no return without their knowledge or their consent, what would happen? We need to find out what would happen. We need to reach that critical mass of awareness as soon as possible. The consistency with which all forms of agricultural production are being hammered by weather cataclysm is far beyond chance occurrence. Keep that in mind. What are the key factors in the equation must we consider in any honest examination of the wider horizon? Keep in mind, it is essential to remember and consider that global controllers are acutely aware that the planet's failing systems can no longer support the weight of the human race, i.e. ballooning global populations. From Fortune.com, this, a new COVID wave is probably coming, and America just doesn't seem to care. From that report, Dr. Fauci said this week that a surge of COVID is likely coming this next fall, and an increase in cases over even the next few weeks would not be surprising. Fauci's remarks contrast with a sudden vanishing of the Omicron wave. Again, that's all from Fortune.com. Let's dive a little deeper and add this new related report from Yahoo.com. Dr. Fauci just issued this, quote, essential warning. From that report, again from Yahoo, Dr. Anthony Fauci has issued a new warning about COVID-19, telling CBS News Jessica Moore what he expects for the next couple of months with the virus and the BA2 Omicron subvariant. First, a steady stream of variants, now subvariants. The fun never stops in the asylum, does it? And Dr. Fauci always seems to know what's coming far ahead of time, doesn't he? Sometimes years ahead of time. Like the podium he stood on in 2017 on film and on the record. Anyone can view this online when he stated in no uncertain terms that there, quote, would be a surprise pandemic during that presidency, i.e. the Trump presidency at that time. How does he always know? That blank's not hard to fill in for anyone who does objective research. This report continues, and this question comes to mind. How many doses are we in for now? Back to the report from Yahoo.com. Dr. Fauci stated, quote, so we're hoping and thinking that this would be a two-dose vaccine for children, but it's not. It's going to be very likely a three-dose vaccine for kids, Fauci stated. He continues, and the clinical trial started off as two doses, and it didn't meet the criteria that the FDA felt would be adequate to make it widely available. So the studies that are going on right now are looking at what the efficacy and obviously the safety of a three-dose regime would be. End quote from Anthony Fauci. Going to leave this whole subject alone and get back to biosphere collapse because that is the bottom line. But consider this as we cover what is occurring in our biosphere and what the so-called climate science community is doing to hide it. Consider that, as I stated earlier, those in power know the planet can no longer support human populations. What would we expect them to do? Try to honestly answer that question with all the puzzle pieces that are available. And it does form a picture, a very clear picture, and one that very few are yet willing to face. Next headline, back to biosphere collapse. Could solar geoengineering reduce human suffering? Question mark. Headline from last week. From that report, a contentious climate change idea might benefit by reframing a somewhat stale debate. Again, 
pretending that climate engineering is just a quote proposal. They continue... Solar geoengineering, the controversial and still, they say, theoretical method of cooling the planet by injecting tiny aerosol particles into the stratosphere to reflect some of the sun's incoming energy back into space. Obviously, that's going on in our skies. For anyone who bothers to look up, to look away from their iPhones or the football game or whatever else they're focused on, how clear could this equation be? And the entire so-called climate science community, every so-called elected official and so-called public protection agency pretending this isn't going on. The so-called climate science community is drowning in breaking reports about climate engineering. All of them pretending that climate intervention operations are just a, quote, proposal and not an ongoing expanding reality for the last 75 years. Jet aircraft spraying dispersions of climate engineering aerosols, hazing out our skies all over the world, disrupting precipitation and weather patterns, destroying the ozone layer, and ubiquitously contaminating the entire planet. Climate engineering operations that are so shockingly obvious that one would have to be clinically blind not to see them. And yet, nearly again, the whole of so-called academia whether consciously or unconsciously, pretends not to see the jet-sprayed filth in our skies. And what factor is never, ever mentioned by all the so-called science studies pretending to weigh the pros and the cons of climate engineering? This part, that every living thing is now exposed to a plethora of highly toxic elements, the climate engineering fallout that's raining down through our breathable air column. We are inhaling it with every breath we take. So far, the majority of populations have been all too willing to pretend weather warfare isn't raging above their heads, to pretend that the highly toxic fallout isn't affecting their health. But the denial is beginning to turn. An undercurrent of awareness and outrage is, in fact, rising rapidly. When a critical mass of awareness is reached, the paradigm will change. And by awareness, I mean an understanding that burns to the core, the realization that we are fighting for our lives. Collapse is now inevitable, but if, by our collective efforts, we can fully expose the insanity in our skies, if we can reach a critical mass of true awakening, which includes those that are part of these programs, when their families know that their family member is participating in their own demise, there's a chance that participants will begin to stand down. There's a chance that we can stop these operations from the inside out. If populations around the world were made fully aware of the atmospheric assault being waged against them and connected the dots, the health and disease ramifications, the weather mayhem and catastrophes, would they take to the streets searching for anyone and everyone that's involved with climate intervention operations or the cover-up of these crimes? Only one way to find out. Let's awaken the masses. It's now or never. And for the record... The effort to reach a critical mass of awakening will take all of us. Back to the climate intervention operations and the unprecedented climate forcing extremes geoengineering is fueling. This headline from last week, sizzling heat to heavy snow. A look at the volatility of April weather across the U.S., pretending this is somehow nature behaving poorly. The report states in one part of the nation, snow was substantially enough to cause wipeouts on area roadways. Elsewhere, temperatures soared to 111 degrees all during the first week of April. Montague, California, Twin Falls, Idaho, and Burns and Baker, Oregon all notched the lowest daily temperatures in recorded history. In Utah, the day's lowest temperature was recorded in Peter Sinks. That's a location. The natural sinkhole area 
is typically home to some of the country's coldest conditions. That was certainly the case on Wednesday as the day's minimal temperature fell to 15 degrees below zero Fahrenheit. Compared to the record heat experience in the hottest area of Texas, a high of 111 degrees Fahrenheit was measured near far Texas, which made for a 126 degree temperature swing on the same day in the U.S. 126 degree variance. Think about that. And all of this during the first week of April. And to be clear, this is happening all over the globe. I'm covering the U.S. more because it's specific examples. This is where most of our media is located. But I do want to state this type of scenario is happening all over the globe. And who's the biggest participant in climate engineering? Obviously the biggest military in the world. A military that is bigger than the next 10 biggest militaries combined. And who would that be? Of course, the United States of America. Core to all of this equation, U.S. military. Next headline, historic April blizzard set to pummel northern tier of U.S. From that report, the storm system brought snowfall to Portland, Oregon on Monday, the first time the Portland International Airport has ever recorded measurable snowfall in the month of April. There is the potential for this storm, the report states, to bring record snowfall for the month of April to cities such as Bismarck and Grand Forks. North Dakota, the combination of high winds and snow will shut down roads and interstates across many areas, and snowdrifts may reach, they say, up to 20 feet. Keep in mind, high winds now associated with all these events because the wind enhances the endothermic properties of the materials being seeded into cloud moisture. The chemical ice nucleating elements are endothermic reacting, i.e. energy absorbing particulates, and the wind radically enhances that. Think when you're standing outside, On a hot day, if you're covered with water or sweat, if there's a breeze, you cool off much quicker. That's an endothermic reaction. It's evaporating that moisture, causing an energy-absorbing reaction. It cools you down. Same thing with these particulates. And they are now utilizing wind by creating atmospheric pressure zones to enhance that wind and thus enhance their processes of engineering winter weather events. This report continues. This is from AccuWeather. They say forecasters warned that a, quote, storm of the century could unfold this week across three states only. But they make these sensationalized headlines because it confuses and divides the population as the true state of planetary meltdown when they see these kinds of headlines. And that's exactly what they're designed to do. They continue, the large storm will clash with warm, humid air in the east from the Gulf of Mexico, i.e. the record warm Gulf of Mexico, serving as the storm's moisture source. Think about that. How absurd is that? Winter storms being fed with flows of moisture from the record warm Gulf of Mexico. The climate engineers need these massive flows of moisture to chemically nucleate and create these cool downs. They circulate it around a large, low-pressure zone, nucleating it the whole way, and when it gets on the backside of that swirl, counterclockwise swirl in the northern hemisphere, the rain, quote, turns over to snow. Elevation is not a factor anymore. But the composition of this frozen material is very different than naturally nucleated snow. On that note, consider these excerpts from this AccuWeather report. Quote, the snow will be stickier than usual, they say. AccuWeather meteorologist Matt Benz pointed out, referring to the consistency of snowfall that occurs in the northern plains during January and February, he says that the comparatively higher temperatures presented during this storm will cause snow to, quote, stick to everything, adding extra weight to power poles and trees. And let's add this, and the faces and nostrils of livestock, like cows, that will once again be slaughtered by the chemical ice nucleation concoction of frozen material that we're now told is snow by the bought and paid for so-called weather experts. 
The AccuWeather climate engineering cover-up report continues with this, quote, it's going to be very cold in places that are hit by the storm and feel even colder than it is. That's because this material is typically far colder than the ambient temperature around it. That's because it's chemically nucleated. They then state the AccuWeather real field temperature won't make it above 12 degrees and will plunge to 3 degrees below zero at night. This will feel especially brutal given that the high temperature on Saturday was 64 degrees. Again, weather whiplash. And they make it seem colder by stating the real field temperature. That's not an ambient temperature. That's a wind chill temperature. But they don't really make that clear and they don't want to make it clear because they want it to seem much colder than it is. They want this to make an impression on people so the people think, how could it possibly be warming anywhere when it's this cold? Yeah, it was 64 degrees days earlier. In some places like Denver, now routinely going from the 80s to single digits in a day. And no one questions this. The report then states, this time of year is particularly sensitive, one for cattle ranchers, they say, in the northern plains. Calving season is underway in this region, and any significant snowfall can pose a serious threat to the lives of young cattle if they become buried for any extended amount of time. The blizzard of April 97 killed an estimated 100,000 cattle in North Dakota. And for the record, chemical ice nucleating patents go back to at least 1950. So if you think a 1997 blizzard was just nature, think again. And it's not the only such incident. More in a moment on that. The sensationalized April blizzard report then states, At the same time snow is flying and cold winds are howling over the northern plains and Rockies, a significant outbreak of severe weather will ramp up further to the south and east over the plains and Mississippi Valley, i.e. the warm side of the so-called winter storm. And what about this event? which we documented at geoengineeringwatch.org, October 4th, 2013, a, quote, freak snowstorm in South Dakota that, again, killed 100,000 cattle. At the same time, it began snowing, again, October 4th, 2013. It was 40 degrees as this snowfall rain that began to, quote, turn over to snow as they were chemically nucleating these clouds. At the same time this was happening, we captured the weather maps. We have them at geoengineeringwatch.org on several of our posts. It was 89 degrees and raining in Kansas City. It was 85 degrees and raining in Chicago. And it was a snowstorm in South Dakota that killed 100,000 cattle. And days later, there were photographs of these cows laying around in the mud, not a bit of snow left. In 2015, more than 35,000 dairy cows were killed in a freak blizzard that impacted parts of Texas. In South America, the same scenarios have killed hundreds of thousands of cold-hardy alpacas. Freak snowstorms on a planet that's descending into total meltdown. And in regard to the climate change term, in lieu of the global warming term, a climate change term was implemented in 1998, the warmest year ever recorded up to that point. Radical ramp-up of the global climate intervention operations, and they knew they would need a term that would make people think it's normal for these radical swings, these radical cool-downs, as they attempt to skew temperature records, taking many readings on the ground when they create an engineered cool-down event that's a shallow layer of cold at the surface of the planet, may only be a few hundred feet in depth. We know this because we're taking temperatures from aircraft, we're communicating with pilots, we have temperatures at altitude that are extraordinarily high, 40 degrees higher than they should be. As I've stated in previous broadcasts, we've had private jet pilots that fly some very important people, they're military pilots, former military, that have told us their 
Learjets were forced into autopilot descents from above 40,000 feet off the U.S. West Coast, in this case, because the temperatures outside were so warm, over 40 degrees above normal, that the air was not dense enough to carry that aircraft. We hear nothing about that in mainstream media. When we see sensationalized headlines like the record snows in Boston in 2014, that's all we saw. Headlines of the record snows in Boston and nothing about the fact there was no snow 14,000 feet up in the Sierras. Nothing. More headlines on this front from last week. A foot of snow, blizzard conditions to threaten central U.S. They sensationalize these engineered events as much as they possibly can. They state a major storm developing across the central U.S. in the coming week is forecast to bring historic snowfall and blizzard conditions to portions of the northern tier. Snow flurries in New Mexico last week, early last week, while it was raining far north into Canada. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? They state snow totals up to 40 inches as April blizzards blast northern U.S. Another headline from last week. Listen to all these sensationalized headlines, and that is part of the objective of the climate engineers to confuse and divide the population as to the true state of planetary meltdown. Again, this headline from last week. Montana, North Dakota, record astonishing snowfall tallies. Another headline from last week. Sheep herd heads for higher ground amid Montana snowdrifts. Another headline from last week. Snowstorm, a double-edged sword for northern ranchers. We just went over that. From record heat and drought to snow, right in the middle of the calving season, how many cows will die needlessly due to the actions of the climate engineering cabal? Another headline from last week, Montana town reports snowiest April day since 1955. Wow. How could global warming possibly be real with a headline like that, right? That's exactly the conclusion the climate engineers want the public to parrot because of their engineered winter weather mayhem. Forgive me for plowing through more of these sensationalized headlines from last week alone, as these reports represent a primary objective of climate engineering operations, i.e. to mask the severity of the unfolding abrupt climate collapse from populations until the last possible moment. Next headline, again from last week, Billings sees its snowiest April day in more than 75 years. Yeah, we had a rainless winter in Northern California with days often 80 degrees, sometimes well after dark near 80 degrees. Nothing about that in this, any mainstream report the whole time. Temperatures in parts of the Middle East and India in late March and early April were pushing 120 degrees. How many heard about that? They don't want you to hear about that. Keep that in mind. What's the most engineered country from, from a climate engineering standpoint in the entire world? Of course, the U.S., because it has the biggest military in the world. And should that be any surprise, the most anomalously less warm region in the entire world over the last 10 years running is the eastern half of the U.S. lower 48. More headlines, same theme from last week. Montana residents hit with Tuesday deep freeze. Real field temperatures fell to negative 13. Again, keep in mind, they state real field temperatures. People think that's the ambient temperature. It's not. That's a wind chill temperature. Very, very deceptive. Makes them think it's much colder than it actually is. Another headline, 20-foot snowdrifts possible as blizzard bears down in northern U.S., Next headline, amazing contrast from one state to another. This is another example of the temperature contrast. At 5 p.m. Central Daylight Time on Tuesday, Omaha, Nebraska was sitting at a summer-like 91 degrees Fahrenheit. Meanwhile, just one state away, Spearfish, South Dakota, was just 19 degrees with snow falling. Throw a rock and you go from 91 degrees to 19 degrees and snow. Anyone who thinks that's nature needs to rethink their reality. I don't want to miss mentioning this part of the equation. The chemical ice nucleating elements that are being seeded into cloud moisture create massive hailstones that are decimating crops, cars, homes, infrastructure. 
Here's the headline from last week on that front. Grapefruit-sized hailstones reported in Arkansas on Monday night. Massive hailstones. Again, that's happening all over the globe. Why don't insurance companies say anything? Because they're being subsidized through the back door to keep their mouths shut, like the rest of the matrix. Everybody on the umbilical, all doing what they're told to do to get their paychecks and pensions while the whole planet goes down. Another headline from last week. While all this snow, snow, cold, cold, cold is going on, this. Extreme fire conditions expected across vast swaths of the high plains. Imagine that. Another headline last week. Pattern flip-flop to bring cool down to the southwest. Again, weather whiplash, now the norm all over the planet. Much of California will note a nearly 30 degrees temperature change from daytime highs last Friday to temperatures early this week. Radical fluctuations wreaking havoc on ecosystems all over the globe. And crops, food production, thus controlling populations. Another headline, same theme. April warm-up surge across the eastern U.S. From that report, temperatures are forecasted to soar 10 to 15 degrees Fahrenheit above normal by midweek across the east. The warm-up will be sustained with highs near 80 Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, while all this snow, snow, snow is going on that I've already described in this broadcast. From sfgate.com, that's in San Francisco, quote, vast majority of California's Sierra snowpack could be gone by mid to late April. Gone in the Sierras, the highest mountain range in the country. Snowpack could be gone by mid to late April. Much of it, majority, this article states. What are so-called storms now so often like in California and much of the West? Instead of constant winter deluges, all too often now, the scheduled rain comes late and less if it comes at all. Days of featureless skies with occasional drips and drizzles while the reservoirs dry up all across the West. Want to know why? Search and review the engineering drought section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. Examine what we stated on the record for nearly 15 years would happen if these operations were allowed to continue. And that's exactly what has happened. Satellite images prove climate engineering operations are blocking rain from the West. Fact, not opinion. And unfortunately, I hear from so many that ask, why would they do this, i.e. they being those in power? Because so many still believe that those in power are here to help them proliferate and consume forever until nothing is left. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Populations in countries all over the world are not just expendable to those in power. They are a rapidly increasing liability. Keep that in mind while we add this next piece to the puzzle. Keep in mind the rain being blocked from the western U.S. and other agricultural regions around the world. But let's look at this headline from ABC News. California plan would pay farmers to grow less to save water. From that report, Sacramento, California, California would pay farmers not to plant thousands of acres of land as part of a $2.9 billion plan announced last week aimed at letting more water flow through the state's major rivers and streams, which is not flowing much now as it is. The Pitt River is in my backyard and there is not much flowing, and that water is far warmer than it should be. There's already algae blooms happening. We are in in a very bad place. It's getting worse by the day. The agreement signed Tuesday between state and federal officials and some of California's biggest water agencies would result in about 35,000 acres of rice fields left unused. No food. Control food supplies. Control populations. Another headline, same theme, from multiple sources last week. Engineered winter weather impacts 
on yet more food supplies. Here's the headline. European cold wave aftermath. Spanish fruit producers severely affected. Same thing happened recently in Australia. It's happened in other countries throughout Europe. Timing is impeccable. Most critical part of the season, flash freeze. In regard to crushing crops and miring populations in struggle, all forms of weather cataclysm are in play. And for the record, I fully acknowledge all forms of human damage to the planet and the climate system. But this question must be asked and answered. How can there be any legitimate discussion of the climate from any perspective without first and foremost addressing and acknowledging the most disruptive and destructive human activity of all, climate engineering operations? More reports from last week. Intense heavy rainfall and mudslides killed at least 45 people in Durban, South Africa. Another headline. Deadly storm Agaton hits Philippines, 25 dead in heavy rain and landslides. Another headline. Deforestation drives climate change that harms remaining forests. Climate engineering is doing the most harm in that respect. Toxic rain, destroying the ozone layer that's frying the foliage from the top down. More dry lightning because of the ionized atmosphere, because of these electrically conductive particles. From every conceivable direction, climate engineering is the single most destructive factor to Earth's remaining forests. And that is saying a lot because we are behaving with unimaginable contempt toward our planet, cutting down forests all over the globe. The Amazon, boreal forests in the northern latitudes, unimaginable contempt. But... To not acknowledge climate engineering is absolutely criminal in this equation. Another headline from last week, groundwater level threatens to fall in Germany due to climate change. Again, climate engineering a factor. It cannot rain less on a rapidly warming planet without a factor that we're not being told about. Atmosphere holds 7% more moisture for every degree C of warming. It must rain much more on a planet that is already likely past 3.5 degrees C of warming. We're not being told about that because temperatures are being falsified to the downside and masked through these chemical ice-nucleated cool-downs. It's much, much warmer than we are being told already. We're in a runaway climate collapse scenario. Climate engineering making it far worse overall, not better. For those that have just tuned in, you're listening to the weekly installment of Global Alert News, the Bad News Broadcast, installment number 349, April 16th, 2022. This is Dane Wigington, your host. Global Alert News is brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org, the largest and most visited website in the world on the subject of climate intervention operations, known as geoengineering. Before I get back to breaking reports on biosphere collapse, let's again address the billions of engineered mosquitoes about to be released in California and Florida. And while considering that, let's examine patent number US8967029B1, Toxic Mosquito Aerial Release System. Here's an abstract from this patent. A device for the aerial release of mosquitoes includes an unmanned aerial vehicle operable by remote control. It carries a container holding a central processing unit and a mosquito breeding bin, which is a self-contained volume housing mosquitoes and a mosquito food having a toxin suitable to be transmitted by mosquito bite after the mosquito consumes the mosquito food. A release tube is connected to the mosquito breeding bin and sized to release mosquitoes from the mosquito breeding bin. A valve is connected to the release tube and is operated by remote control so that when open, the mosquitoes have an open pathway out of the container through the release tube. Now let's go to this from this patent. The background stated right on the patent. Governments have sought after weapons that can be used to deliver chemicals, viral, 
bacteriological substances for lethal and non-lethal administration to assembled masses of people. Non-lethal uses typically include peacekeeping operations for use in actions not considered, quote, military operations and against terrorists or state actors in war. In this sense, such weapons can be used to control both armed enemies and civilians. Not all uses of such weapons, the patent states, are prohibited by treaty. The present invention is capable of delivering lethal and non-lethal toxins, including any agent that can be carried and administered by a mosquito. Check the patent yourself. There's much more information than what I'm able to cover in this broadcast. And this is just a sample of what our not-so-benevolent government officials and the scientists who serve them are up to. Behind closed doors, the insanity that surrounds us knows no bounds. If you think the last few years were rough, what's coming will soon be beyond what most dare to even imagine. Moving on, back to unfolding biosphere collapse, which is the biggest bottom-line factor fueling the rapidly rising sea of insanity that surrounds us all. From many sources, over a thousand scientists worldwide engage in civil disobedience for climate action. And there's this parallel report from the UK Guardian. Climate scientists are desperate. We're crying, begging, and getting arrested. But isn't it interesting that none of these seemingly dedicated to the true scientists are willing to say a word about the climate intervention atrocities in our skies and the decimation those operations are inflicting on the entire planet and the climate and the human race. Next headline from Discover Magazine, the snowball effect of repeat disasters. Speaking of climate cataclysm occurring all over the globe and the cascading effect that they're creating. From Fortune.com, this, the future cost of climate inaction, $2 trillion a year, says the government. From that report, the White House Office of Management and Budget released the first ever accounting of how unchecked global warming would impact the federal budget, looking at its potential to dampen the economy as a whole and balloon the cost of climate-related programs over time. For the record, that report is patently false. The cost of climate inaction will be near-term extinction for the human race and perhaps the entire web of life. And what's the most critically important climate action that must be implemented? First, exposing and halting the ongoing climate disruption operations, a.k.a. weather warfare. From Fizz.org, more than 6 billion people will be increasingly exposed to extremes under global warming. It's not global warming, and that term doesn't apply here. It's an abrupt climate collapse. That's what we face. We would be lucky if we faced global warming, as it's been conveyed to populations. What we face is exponentially worse and more immediate. And climate engineering is further fueling the entire process on top of the other endless lists of anthropogenic activity, i.e. human damage to the planet. But won't so-called renewable energy save us? This headline from last week. Misinformation is derailing renewable energy projects across the United States. This is from many mainstream sources. Really? Misinformation about so-called renewable energy? Again, I plead with everyone to search and view Planet of the Humans and see how not renewable so-called renewable energy is. Yes, it's better than the outright consumption of hydrocarbon fuels, but it is by no means renewable and it will by no means save us from ourselves. Another headline, not to worry about everything that's unfolding. Apparently, the UK Daily Standard says governments around the world are going to fix it all. This headline, countries' new climate targets will curb global warming to 2.4 degrees C by 2100. Really, governments announced new goals to cut emissions at a summit hosted by U.S. President Joe Biden. 
The International Climate Conferences, for the record, are smoke and mirrors. They're farce, all designed to pacify populations while behind the scenes the only real agenda being pushed is a continued ramp-up of the climate engineering assault, a.k.a. again weather warfare. And we're past, based on frontline data, we're past 3.5 degrees C by now. Based on current trajectories, none of us will be here by the end of this decade. And I don't care who doesn't believe that. That's not my job to make someone believe something they don't want to believe. I don't have that power. What I can convey is hard frontline data that's very unpleasant and unpalatable, but nonetheless true and verifiable. And I ask anyone, everyone, not to believe anything I'm stating, but to investigate everything I'm stating on this broadcast. If you feel you have a responsibility toward your children, your posterity, if you want to look them in the eyes and know that you tried, investigate everything I'm stating on this broadcast and act accordingly. We all have a part to play in this drama, no matter how dire the horizon looks. Giving up isn't an option. We don't own our lives. We owe them to the children and to the entire web of life on which our lives completely depend. Let's face another subject head-on that few are willing to address. The explosion of human populations. And as I cover the following statistics, some will go into a reactive response of denial in this sense that the acknowledgement of certain unpleasant facts is somehow a form of conformity with the objectives of those in power. Such a conclusion is patently false. Here's an example. How many choose to conclude that because Al Gore has displayed extraordinary hypocrisy, that because he's a criminal, in fact, that global warming must be false? Yes, Gore has profited from the very companies and destructive human activities that he claims to be against, but does that fact negate the state of the planet on which, in fact, it is exponentially more grave than anything Al Gore ever disclosed? At the dawn of agriculture, about 8,000 BC, the population of the world was approximately 5 million. Over the 8,000 year period, up to 1 AD, it grew to 200 million with a growth rate of under 0.05% per year. Human populations exploded in lockstep with the Industrial Revolution. It had taken all of human history until around the year 1800 for world populations to reach 1 billion. The second billion was achieved in only 130 years in 1930. The third billion in 30 years in 1960. The fourth billion in 15 years 1974, and the fifth billion in only 13 years, 1987. During the 20th century alone, the population in the world has grown from 1.65 billion to 6 billion. In 1970, there were roughly half as many people in the world as there are now. The United Nations projects world populations to reach 10 billion in the year 2057. How can any even slightly awake person possibly believe that the current paradigm was even remotely sustainable? For the record, about the UN estimate of populations reaching 10 billion by 2057, that's never going to happen. If the human race remains in the current course, we face probable extinction before the end of this decade. Not in my opinion. A mathematical and statistical certainty, short of a complete change of our current trajectory. And that doesn't mean... That everybody lives happily ever after. It means that some might make it through what's coming. And that's worth fighting for. Yes, the horizon is dark indeed. And so dark that many, far too many, are choosing to simply turn away.
choosing to pretend it isn't so, and doing their best to ridicule any who dare to present unwanted and unpleasant information, no matter how irrefutable that information is. This scenario must change, or we have no chance of even near-term survival for anyone on our rapidly dying planet. And those that don't believe our situation is this dire, you will, soon. You can quote me on that. What do we do? This. We do what we are put here to do. Our part, our mission, to stand against the fading of the light, to stand against the rising seas of insanity. We face the gathering storm head on. We do our best to make a difference for the better in any and every way we can, given our individual circumstances. The first and most important leap we can collectively make in the right direction is to wake the masses, to reach a critical mass of awareness on the existential threat posed by the operations being carried out in our skies, operations that are destroying the planet's life support systems, contaminating the entire biosphere and every breath we take. Exposing climate intervention operations before the planet's life support systems are completely shattered is the great imperative. If we can do that, many wheels in the battle will begin to turn on their own as individuals that are in positions to help turn the tide realize that they are fighting for their own lives, for the lives of their posterity, for all that matters. If we can fully expose the weather warfare, we have a chance of stopping it from the inside out. Collapse of what was is a given. It was never sustainable. The former paradigm of loot, plunder, pillage, and pollute until nothing is left was always a recipe for mathematically certain near-term self-annihilation. Time to completely change course or die. Those in power, those who have done the most to manufacture this Truman Show of delusion and destruction, bear the most responsibility. If populations can be fully awakened and mobilized, all those that are most responsible, not just for their criminal actions, but for the covering up of the crimes, in the case of the corporate media, must be held legally and morally accountable. If our collective efforts could fully pull back the curtain, we could trigger a shockwave around the world. We could alter the composition of what's unfolding. We could perhaps set the stage for at least some to make it through what's coming. And that possibility is worth fighting for with every fiber of our being. Any one of us could be the final grain of sand that tilts the scale in the right direction. Can our collective efforts accomplish the seemingly impossible? There's only one way to know. See the activist suggestions link on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org to learn specific details about how you can help move this fight forward. Make your voice heard make every day count. Time is not on our side. We must continue our march headlong into the storm. Until next week, stay strong. Never yield. This is Dane Wigington from geoengineeringwatch.org.